it's an honor to be here today. Um, pretty much uh, those who are here in person know me, and if you're on the live stream, you may know me as well. Um, but I thought I'd just have a couple things to introduce myself in case this is the first time that um, you've seen me. So my name's Maureen. <laughs> um, some fun facts about myself. I was born and raised in San Francisco. <laughs> so I was born and raised in the Sunset District, and be- what I found out what that means is that I actually don't know where all the good food places are. Um, so if you have recommendations, totally down to get that. Um, I am an Enneagram 2. Yeah, 2. <laughs> an ISFJ. And, so if, and I'm really excited about those kinds of things. So if you ever want to talk personality, let me know. I am a proud aunt. So I have two little nephews. If you ask or if you don't ask, I... I probably will show you pictures of them. Um, And I have an education background. So before all of the past couple years of my current experience, previously I was actually a high school chemistry teacher. And after prepping for today, that seems way easier. (laughs) Okay. So just bear with me today as I kind of talk to you. Um, And then I guess one last thing that's really relevant. Um, I'm getting married. That was Josh. Uh, He did a great job. (laughs) Okay, Um, so this last piece about me, and this is probably where I'm going to be speaking from, Um, I'm currently finishing up my master's in counseling at Western Seminary. I finish in August, it's coming up soon, Um, and it's been a three-year journey for me. Um, And so I went in with the program with every intent, you know, I'm an Enneagram too, so with every intent to help others and be there for them. Um, But what ended up happening was it actually became a really... um, really powerful, sometimes really painful process because with our training, we have to really check ourselves before we even can help someone else, right? Um, And so for the past three years I've been studying, um, and for a year and a half now, I've been actually working with people, so counseling clients in a nonprofit counseling center. Um, And so some of the populations I have actually worked with, um, with children as young as five, um, all the way to adults um, in, in their 40s and 50s. So um, some of the things that I've seen, a lot of stuff I do is working with just anxiety, um, but things like anger management, uh, difficult family dynamics, um, stress management, depression, parental divorce, ch- working with children who have divorced parents, that's really hard, um, ADHD, social skills, there's a there's a lot. <laughs> and with the pandemic, that's actually been uh, a lot more. We've seen a lot more referrals come in. So it's definitely really much needed. Um, and so when Pastor Mickey asked me to speak today, um, this is kind of the topic that uh, I would be addressing here. Um, and so just kind of with emotional health and the church, right? And this is such a broad area, and everyone has a different opinion on it. Um, some, you know, if we look at it from a spectrum, you might go from one side where the definition of health is only defined by what's in scripture, right? And science, don't even talk about that, right? On the other side of the spectrum, you may have just science explained. We study this. This is evidence-based. It's concrete. Don't give me that spiritual mumbo-jumbo, right? Where I stand (laughs) is in the in-between, Right? So an integrated place where it's not explicit and combining both what scripture says about who we are, right? but also with what we've studied from um, research and all that stuff, combining them to give a fuller picture. Right? So this is the per- uh, perspective I'll be speaking from. Right? So today I'm going to talk about something I'm particularly passionate about, 
and that's addressing the internal disconnect that we experience between our head and our heart, our mind and our soul, right? And um, one thing I want to side note, okay, in general, when we define the self, a lot of times we talk about body, mind, and soul, right? So I'm going to be talking about mind and soul, not neglecting the body here, okay? So, you know, if you're feeling not at a good emotionally, um, emotional or mental space, what I would first recommend, <laughs> go eat a snack, yeah. go take a nap, go for a walk first, and then come back to what I'm going to talk about, okay? <laughs> okay, um, so uh, in, for talking about the mind and the, um, and the soul, I think personally this is very um, important to me. I've had to address this myself. Um, and when I work with clients, this is something I specifically point out to them. Okay, so before we start, um, why don't we pray together? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, God, we just thank you so much for being with us here. God, in, in this space, in, in our homes, Lord, as we worship you, God, I, I thank you, Lord, for just being with us always. Um, God, I just pray that as I share this message, will you give me the words, your words, um, to, to show your heart, Lord. Um, and I just thank you, God, for always loving us. Um, so, yeah, thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. Um, so I thought I'd start with an illustration, and I brought it with me. This is my journal from 10 years ago. Okay, so this is 19-year-old Maureen. <laughs> I know, my handwriting actually hasn't changed too much, which is funny. Um, and so bear with me. You know, Lisa shared a couple of weeks ago what she had written previously. So eloquent, so beautiful. Uh, I cringed so much reading this. <laughs> um, so let me just read this to you guys. So this is from February 1st, 2011. Okay. Uh, so I, this was probably when I was in college. So I... Here we go. Oh, I have to like mentally prepare myself for this. Okay. So stressed about school and the situation with, I'm going to put a boy, keeps popping up in my head. My mental diet is really wearing me out. But a friend emailed me and told me to focus. And that's what I'm going to do. God didn't make me to feel sad or worried about my future because it's in his hands. All I got to do is trust him not expect what he'll put in my life, but expect that he'll take care of it. Whatever happens is God's best for me. All I got to do is live for him. Right. So when I read this and I looked back, um, I realized, like, and I, I think back to this time period, I see this and I think, wow, it was really hard for me to sit with myself. Um, you know, if you, what I just read, it goes from both, hey, I'm stressed out and this sucks, immediately to, but remember God first, right? And then I didn't know how to process the in-between, right? I always kind of went from one to the other, and that was my way to cope. But unfortunately, when it came time to actually sit with myself, I had a lot, a lot of anxiety, right? And that's often what I experience today, and I have to really check myself in those moments. Um, So I don't know if you relate with me. If you have a journal, go home and see. (laughs) Um, but I'm going to ask you guys some questions, and just maybe this might resonate with you. Um, have you ever experienced tension within yourself? Like, a part of me knows that God is good, and I'll be okay. But a part of me feels like, this just sucks, and screw it all, right? Have you ever felt like, in a situation, uh, things didn't feel right, 
even when it made logically it logically made sense. You know, joking here, like going to McDonald's on a Sunday because Chick-fil-A isn't open, right? You feel in your heart this isn't right, but <laughs> but, but it makes sense, right? Yeah. But it, it, I guess a personal example for me was um, in my last year of teaching, I knew something wasn't right, even though everything was falling into line for me to continue there. Um, but I didn't know what exactly what that was. Um, another question, have you ever gone through something called an ambiguous loss? And what that means is maybe you experienced a situation where someone was physically present but emotionally distant, or you were in a situation where someone felt emotionally present but physically distant. Did I say that right? They're, they're flipped. Okay, cool. <laughs> right. And this is actually something maybe uh, you might have experienced this for sure. Uh, during the pandemic, right? Everyone felt physically distant, but you longed for that emotional connection, right? So that's an ambiguous loss, right? Um, And so sometimes maybe you felt like it's easier to just keep going and doing the logical thing, and maybe those feelings you push aside, right? For my journal entry here, that's how I felt, right? It was uncomfortable for me to actually sit in the pain, Um, and so I used scripture, all really good things, but as a means for me to avoid, Right, um, Or you may not be on the flip side. If you're more in touch with your feelings, sometimes you may go through times where things may just they look like they make sense. Maybe people have told you, hey, just do this, right? Just It's simple. But you couldn't get yourself to do it, right? So all these kinds of things, uh, just to kind of give a word to it, it's called in, uh, incongruence, right? So what is congruence? Congruence is when you have your total experience of yourself, it aligns with everything, your, your experience you, you have in reality, right? And so when those aren't together, it's called incongruence, right? Um, so what it may look like, if you resonate with any, any of those questions, that's also, um, that might be it. But also, uh, our... Uh, we, we experience this in ourselves when our internal culture cl- clashes. Okay, so you may see this when you're with a loved one or in relationships with others, right? Why does it feel like it's so hard to talk to you, like we're not seeing eye to eye, right? Um, our relationships with ourselves, because we do have that. I talk to myself all the time. <laughs> okay. um, differences in values between generations, right? So looking, you know, talk about baby boomers and millennials and Gen Z, all those kinds of things. We have different values based on how long we've been here, right? And that can clash. Church culture, right? How do we live in this age and being a Christian when so much is changing around us, right? And Mickey, he preached about this a couple weeks ago, right? Um, And one thing that's really important and present today is minority cultures in America, right? So we are confronted with this now. Now, even though it's not a new thing, right? So what, why is there so much inner turmoil and tension when trying to grasp with the racism and violence that we're seeing, right? I personally am struggling with this myself with the uprising of these uh, violent attacks against Asian Americans, right? Where I grew up thinking, you know, I look at my parents and think, why are you so distrusting of others, right? And to see the recent events and kind of connect like, oh, Maybe that's why my dad said to me, you'll be treated better than I did because you don't have an accent, right? So it's just like 
those kinds of things, I think about my experience and what I'm seeing now, and it's connecting, but it still doesn't sit right. Yeah. yeah. So with all this, this incongruence, you know, maybe you have an example that comes to mind. Um, what do we do about that? Because it's a hard place to sit in. Right. So I'm going to put a word up there. Okay. What to do? We are going to submit. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I put that word out there, baby. You're like, oh boy, what in the world? <laughs> and that was hard for me too. Right. But one thing I want to point out is that we, all, we might have a misunderstanding of what, what it means to submit. Yeah. Right. Maybe when I said that the first thing that comes to mind, oh my gosh, submission. To me, that sounds like shut up and do what you're told, right? right? Yeah. And what's funny is that this concept came up in, in our premarital counseling with our officiant, um, reading 1 Peter 3, where it says, wives in the same way submit to your own husbands, so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives. I'm like, you're telling me to submit? <laughs> Why is that not, that doesn't, that isn't congruent right there, <laughs> right? Um, but thankfully, we went on, right? And we were challenged in our counseling. So I'm going to share that with you. So what is biblical submission, actually? Um, so we're going to look at one of the prime examples, and that's Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. So we're going to look at Mark 14, 32 through 36, and I'll read it aloud. And they went to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, Sit here while I pray. And he took with him Peter, James, and John, and he began to be greatly distressed and troubled. And he said to them, My soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch. And going a little farther, he fell on the ground and prayed that, if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but you will. So how does this display biblical submission? So Jesus modeled this for us, and there are three main points here. The first point is give your feelings. So looking at verse 33, he says, And he took with him Peter and James and John and began to be greatly distressed and troubled. And he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful even to death. Remain here and watch. So what, what is, how does Jesus give his feelings here? Well, first off, he shows it. Like it says, he, he was greatly distressed and troubled, right? The message paraphrases this as, he sank into a pit of suffocating darkness. <laughs> right? <laughs> okay, but the idea here is he showed it, right? visibly enough to where it was recorded right so he showed his emotions right this is emotional jesus and i wonder if there have been times where maybe you 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 place your trust and you think about okay calm peaceful sleepy jesus on the boat right where he knows where we're going and that that encourages you and that's awesome right advocate jesus who who stands with the woman who committed adultery and speaks up right all-knowing jesus who the woman at the well knows her whole history, and still talks to her, right? Angry, righteous Jesus flipping tables, you know, right? Uh, if, if that ever, if I ever do that, um, that would be an interesting time. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, so these are different sides of Jesus, but I really want to emphasize this side, the emotional side where he actually has feelings, right? And this is where we see that he shares humanity with us. He's, he's, he's showing that he's suffering, right? So that's the first thing, how he gives us feelings is he shows it. Um, here, he also says it aloud, right? He says, my soul is very sorrowful even to death. I totally wish I could articulate myself like if I were feeling that. Um, but the point here is that he's saying it aloud to God and to his friends. Right? He says it aloud in preparation to have this encounter with God and come before him. But he also said it to his friends, which communicates also that he trusts them. Right? Even though historically his disciples didn't understand him a lot of the time. Right? He still said it because they had that friendship. Right? They, you know, after this, they fall asleep. So best choice, I don't know. (laughs) Okay, so that's the first one. Give your feelings. Second point here of biblical submission is give your desires. So verse 35, it says, And going a little farther, he fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me. So here he prayed and he said, right? What was in his heart, right? And God knew exactly what was going on with him, and yet he still spoke it. He still said it aloud. Um, Speaking aloud signifies the realness of God as someone to be talking to, right? It's also a reminder that we are being heard. So what this looks like, for example, you know, if I'm having a rough day, usually Josh, he can see that. Um, he can see my body language. He can gauge, like, oh, she's not talking. Something's not right. Um, and so I could easily just keep it there and be like, I'm going to show it with my body language. I don't really have to say anything, right? But knowing that I want him to know how I feel, right, I'm going to tell him right, how I'm feeling. And what that says is I am speaking to you, and I want to be heard. Right, And that's what Jesus is saying here is, God, I know you're here. I'm speaking to you, and I know that you can hear me. I want to be heard right now. Okay. Um, here he also states his honest desire. Right, For someone, you know, Jesus, and this has been prophesied. Right, this is, There's a lot of expectation here. He knew what he was getting into, right? And yet he still communicates, wow, this is hard. I don't, it's scary. I don't really want to go through this, right? And it's, that's, that's an, comes from an honest place, right? And I say shout out to Enneagram 2s. Communicating intimate desires is often hard to do, <laughs> right? Um, but here we see Jesus, he can be honest with God, right? He also uses a term, Abba, right? Which even is used today by Jewish children to address their father, right? This communicates the level of vulnerability, right? Um, so I, I recognize being able to address, like Jesus addressing Abba Father, um, that vulnerability and intimacy, um, it might elicit different responses, especially if you weren't able to do the same with, with your parent, right? Some, it might be something to wrestle with, like, if I have trouble there, how do I do that with God, right? But I hope also this is a point of relief, knowing that you can, right? And, yeah. So from this point here... Um, really giving your desires, Jesus knows that he is communicating his desires to a listening father, right? In the same way, God hears you when you speak honestly, right? Okay. The third thing about biblical submission is trust him, right? Trust that he loves you and wants, the, wants your best, 
right? So in verse 36, he says, yet not what I will, but what you will, right? And this one I don't say lightly because I know it's the hardest, right? The outcome might not be immediate. Sometimes the connections, they just don't make sense, right? If they did, I feel like life would be a lot easier, right? Um, but in this space, right, where we, we are um, challenged to trust, this is where God makes the connection, right? He's the one who's going to connect the mind and the soul, right? But what that looks like may not be as straightforward, right? He may show you his plan, or he might give you the peace, knowing that you may not need the answer, but that you're going to be okay, right? Or, slash and, he'll give you his presence to know that you don't have to go through it alone. So give your feelings, give your desires, uh, trust him, right? And one thing that's really important here is that Jesus modeled this in order, right? How often do we skip to the end, right? I I clearly skip to the end here, right? Or how often have you received advice that just communicated the end, right? So no judgment there. It's a lot easier to sit at that point, right? But it's important to know that what you share, what's going on internally, and knowing that you're heard is part of the trusting process. And God wants to know that. So what are some practical ways to do this? Right? Well, first, talking to God. <laughs> uh, yes, yeah, so aside from prayer um, and meditation right, and spending that individual time, I think one thing that's important to keep in mind is when we're before God, right, the easiest things in those really hard in-between situations is to say, God, I trust you with blank situation. God, I trust you with my job transition. God, I trust you with um, the difficulty with my family. But the hard thing might be to say, God, I trust you with my anger right now. Or God, I trust you with my anxiety Right? Or, God, I trust you with maybe my unbelief of the situation looking any better. Right? That's a scary thing to say. Right? But that's, that might be the true and honest feelings. Right? Um, and being able to talk about it aloud, um, sometimes we may not be fully aware of what we're laying down. Right? So, like, for example, half the time, I don't even know what I'm feeling. I just don't feel okay. Right? And in those moments, I'm challenged to even share that with God, share the confusion. Um, also one other thing that's just, I won't say this for too long, but also a really straightforward way to talk to God aloud. We do it naturally when we're singing in worship, right? So really powerful stuff. Okay. Another practical way to do this is to talk to a trusted person, right? And whatever conversations we're having within ourselves that disconnect, that incongruence, to share it with someone that you trust, right? And this is the importance of community, right? So sharing your internal feelings with someone you trust. Also, hopefully, someone that you trust that, you know, they would call you out, maybe confront you, right? Or maybe even disagree with you, but you trust them, right? So this could be really close friends, you know, amazing pastors like we have here, um, and possibly a therapist. Um, I personally have the opinion that not everyone has to see a therapist. I think it's a choice. Um, But if you do want support on this, let me know. I get asked this a lot. Um, right, but the idea is when you talk about it more, again, you're labeling and acknowledging the process, right? And when I'm working with clients, honestly, a lot of the work I do is just acknowledging what they're going through, right? And give, and hopefully building the language to even talk about it, right? Um, so that's really helpful. Okay. If you're on the flip side, and let's say you are that trusted friend, 
right? Maybe even asking those questions like, how are you really doing, right? Um, and one thing I think is going to be, uh, keep a note it, to be careful about, um, another person's pain can be really scary and uncomfortable, right? Um, and so it's okay to admit your limitations and maybe possibly be, refer them to someone because you're their friend, not their therapist. <laughs> but to have those conversations, like, the, the biggest thing you can do is just provide presence. Sometimes that happens without even saying a word, right? Um, and what that communicates is, hey, maybe I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say, right? But I'm here with you, right? And that's the same thing, right? You, you may not know what to say, but we know that God can intervene in that place, right? Um, how do we practically trust God and ensure that on his desire? I think a huge piece to follow up with that is choosing, right? Choosing what you're going to do, right? So a lot of times we think trust means just going with the flow and waiting, but I don't think it's an idle process or passive. It's an active choice each day, right? So a lot of times I work with people, um, you know, a lot of parents who just feel stuck in their situation, right? Like, they feel like, oh, I never get out of the situation. I'll just wait it out, or I wonder what's going to happen. Let's just see. Um, but one thing that, uh, one quote that was shared with me that was, it stuck with me, and I ended up sharing it with a lot of people, was um, there are no have-tos, only choices, right? As life gets crazy, a lot of times we may be subject to, oh, I just have to, I have to do this, you know? I have to be in this situation. Oh, it's so hard. Versus choosing, okay, each day, what do I choose to show that I trust God, even in this difficulty, right? So maybe it might be choosing to remain in the feeling, right? Maybe you need to do that, right? And know that while you're there, he's with you, right? Maybe choosing to see things differently with God's perspective, right? Maybe in a really tough situation, maybe with family, right? And if you're not sure how to see it differently, to be able to ask God for help and choosing to do that, right? Choosing to surround yourself with people that remind you who God created you to be, right? And that you're not alone, right? Or maybe choosing to find something to be thankful for, Right? There's actually a psychological uh, impact in gratitude. Right? Um, I had to read an article for one of my classes, and one thing that gratitude does is it actually increases positive emotions, and when you have more positive emotions, it takes your lens and gives you a wider perspective and choices on how to address the situation. Right? Versus negative emotions, <laughs> negative emotions put you in a tunnel vision. Right? So the more you have, you know, practicing gratitude expands your view, right, and, and contributes to resiliency. Right. Yeah. So just to kind of recap everything that I've said before, how do we sit in the in-between space between the head and the heart? Uh, we submit to God by giving him our feelings, giving him our desires, and trusting him, knowing that he loves us and wants the best for us. It's helpful to say these things out loud um, and to God and to others. Having those honest conversations about how we are really doing and making not have-tos, but choices to show that we trust him. So right now I think um, I just want to lead us in a time of reflection um, and response. So if you want to bow your heads at home, uh, maybe just get comfortable.
So right now, um, you know, I, I just want to ask you, you know, was there anything that stood out to you right here? And maybe even some of the questions that were asked, you know, are you in a situation that logically makes sense, but just something doesn't feel right? Maybe you're, you're in a situation where just things are at a standstill, right? Where maybe with your family, um, it just feels like there's not much movement. Maybe you're wondering, God, what's my future look like? Why is it so hard right now? Maybe I, the confusion. God, I don't know what I'm feeling right now. Yeah, but I need the words. And in this place, what is God communicating to you? I hear God saying, I'm here with you. I know it's hard to trust me right now, but I see that. I see where you're at, and I love you. Maybe God is highlighting someone in your life to share what you're going through. Or he's highlighting a person that maybe you haven't reached out to for a while. You just want to check up and see how they're doing. What's God asking you to choose today to show that you trust him?